Dearest Vinod Uncle, This letter comes expressly to thank you a million times for your stubborn insistence many years ago when I visited you as a girl. I was terribly angry with you then and secretly called you a big bully and many more uncharitable things from the full range of my eight-year-old vocabulary. And though we moved on from that uncle and became dear friends, till now I have not appreciated your gift to me. In fact, you frequently heard me grumble about how useless it has been. Not anymore. And here's why. Since I've always been so terrified of the water, I gave out the theory that I was allergic to chlorine and broke out in red welts so I couldn't go swimming with my friends however much I may have wanted to. And I ensured I never went anywhere near a beach where the chlorine strategy wouldn't work. Saying I was scared of the water would only have got me mocked, tormented and harried. My version got me sympathy. I know it was a bare-faced lie, but I keep mostly to the straight and narrow, so I hoped God would give me this one pass. The company I'm working for now is a solution finder. Throw any problem at us and we will find you a way through the maze. So our ranks are full of weirdos and out-of-the-box thinkers bursting full of idiosyncrasies. My water shyness was accepted without comment. As quirks go, it was at the lower end of the madness scale. And it was never an issue. Until a few months ago, when two of us were sent out on a project. Abhi and myself had worked together before and got on reasonably well. He's not much of a talker. That's his quirk, by the way. Preternaturally silent. I don't mind. I talk enough for two. And our skills dovetail. He's able to convert into reality all my crazy ideas. I cannot recall a single instant of him dissing them. On the contrary, he listens attentively, pulls up a pencil and paper and starts drawing or making notes or calculations. And hey presto, we are on our way to something that might actually work. He gives me credence, something all of us nutters crave. I won't bore you with the details of the project because they're not relevant, uncle. But, and here's the crux, it entailed site visits. And the site was on an island in the middle of a river. I would have preferred a bridge. But there weren't even motorboats. Nothing I'd call any kind of a boat, in fact. They had coracles. I'd never seen or heard of one before. It's a shallow, round cane basket, about six feet across, lined on the inside with sundry layers of tattered plastic and on the outside with lashings of what looks like black pitch. We could see them drying on the shore. I had no idea what they were till we went down to the river bank and I learned we needed to get into one. On the water! We were expected to entrust our lives to that ridiculous thing in the absolutely untenable belief that it would take us across the churning river. 
I cast an immediate veto. There was no way. I stood high up on the bank and watched the ferryman, which is quite a fancy name for him, load up his coracle. Six full-sized people, two goats, and get a hold of yourself, a motorbike. And if that wasn't enough, he took on a latecomer who came careening down the bank in a tearing hurry lest he miss the boat with a bicycle. They were relaxed and smiling and waving and still encouraging Abhi and me to clamber on too. The thing was riding pretty low in the water and I muttered darkly to Abhi that they were surely going to drown. He said they probably wouldn't. It was a calm river, he said, though it looked turbulent enough to me. And this was the regular transport, so the ferryman was experienced. Which was a huge mouthful for him to have said. They set off, and the coracle went round and round like some crazy demented creature and tipped from side to side and just standing on dry land I was screaming softly and then loudly and it was inconceivable that they would reach the other side intact but they did we could see them disembarking and carrying cheerfully on as if they hadn't just escaped the jaws of death and even after witnessing that the next lot clambered in cool as cucumbers Abhi talked to me calmly about how it was this or go back for me and perhaps I could try wrapping my head around it. So even-toned his voice and it was strange because he almost never spoke so I was really listening to him. How he got me down to that bank and into that demon transport I cannot say. But I did get into it. I almost lost it when the floor of that ridiculous cane basket gave under my feet. But we got safely across. I was silly with suppressed hysteria. The original plan had been to do two or three site visits as necessary to resolve the problem there, but I issued an ultimatum. I had gone into that whatever it was called once, and if I wanted to get back to civilization... I'd have to get back into it again. But no force on earth was going to get me into it a third time. So we had to stay there till it was sorted. Even if we had just the clothes we were standing in. Abhi accepted that. He said I'd surmounted a major life fear and no one could ask more of me. The client was cool with it too probably thinking they had a better chance of resolution if the problem solvers were on the spot. They happily provided food, shelter and even clothing. It took three days, working at a furious pace. Quantities of scribbling paper as we tried various outlandish theories and kept coming up empty-handed. But as is the norm with these things, some glimmerings of light started opening up. And by end of day three, we had a plan, a backup plan, and another backup behind that, just in case. So the next day, we packed up our small store of personal belongings and the precious papers filled with drawings and calculations and strode out manfully, 
or in my case, whimpered out pathetically to the jetty, such as it was, a few planks of wood patted casually into the wet mud of the bank. The ferryman received us with a cackling laugh, joking he thought we decided to stay forever rather than return on his tipsy craft. <laughs> he had no idea how close to the truth he was. Abhi held my hand and my eyes, calming me down with his stillness as my heart fluttered wildly in my chest like the wings of a desperate bird. There wasn't enough oxygen in the whole world to fill my gasping lungs. But I was relieved to see that the coracle was less crowded this time. Just the ferryman, the two of us and two young boys, obviously locals. But the ferryman wasn't pleased and waited for more customers. Less money for him, I thought, foolishly, and offered to pay him for another two if it would help. But let's get going while I was still holding it together. Still he waited. But no one came. And there were calls and gestures from the other side where a crowd was gathering. So we had to start. But he was patently unhappy about it. I should have realized there was something majorly wrong when he dragged up two rubber rings and gave them to Abhi and me. In the river, it was quickly evident that the coracle was too light. Were buffeted in the flowing river like confetti in a storm. Round and round we went in that circular craft till I was stunned by the giddiness. I was clutching the ring frantically with one hand and the rim of the devil boat with the other, and gasps and shrieks were torn out of my mouth. Abhi was trying to hold me with his eyes, and that's the only thing that kept me this side of insanity, I swear to you, Uncle. I was too lost to panic even to pray. We were mercifully closing in on the opposite shore when the whole contraption just toppled as of a tea kettle and we were flung into the water. I'd taken in a few glugs of the river before I even knew it and the tube flew out of my feckless hands of course and there were mad gurgles and bubbles all around us. I thrashed and scrambled madly to the surface, so panicked I can't even begin to tell you uncle. The ferryman was reaching out to me with his oar, shouting at me to grab it but I could only see a wild flailing of water behind him and I knew somehow that it was Abhi trying to get to me. And that's when those swimming and life-saving classes you tormented me with in my childhood kicked in, uncle. I became absolutely calm. I had to save Abhi, otherwise he'd drown trying to save me. With one hand, I plucked at the oar, now within grabbing distance. And with the other, I reached out and hooked Abhi, spluttering, I'm okay, I'm okay, till it got through to him that I wasn't drowning and he calmed down. The two local boys had already taken off for the shore like otters. Somebody or bodies dragged down one of the coracles drying upside down in the sun and came out to save us and we were all towed ashore except the original coracle which probably ended up smashed somewhere downriver. Abhi and I clung to each other like drowned rats and in the frantic chaos and near tragedy of the moment admitted to ourselves what had been silently growing within us. 
The project was yet to be done and we had to recover all our notes and scribblings and all the backups upon backups that had got destroyed in the drenching, so we needed to work closely together till it was resolved. And that gave us plenty of time to accept and express what we'd first acknowledged on that soggy river bank. We are to be married, uncle, and I thought you should be the first to know, since without your stubbornness in that long-ago summer, there would have been no chance of this happy event coming to pass. I'm so deliriously happy, uncle. We are ideally suited to each other. He's steady where I'm flighty, and we support each other in the best ways. Of course, I've confessed fully to him and told him my dirty little secret. He says it's no big deal. We function well as a team, as our work projects have already proved. And everyone seems happy, us of course, but also both sets of parents, our colleagues. And I'm sure you and auntie will be too, and delighted about your pivotal role. A million thanks from Abhi and me. And lots of love to you and auntie Anita always. We'll let you know as soon as the date is decided. You're once intransigent, but now ever grateful niece, Anu.